This is The Good Stuff. Let's get to know those who are doing the good stuff in our community. We'll chat with everyone from small business owners to local officials. Join us as we go around town to find the hidden gems. This is your host, Andy Tomlinson. Welcome to the Good Stuff Podcast. Well, welcome to the Good Stuff Podcast. Uh, I've taken a break for about, I don't know, two, three weeks. Got busy and uh, my guests got busy. But I have a special guest today, actually on a uh, new location, (laughs) Karen Creek. Did I say it right? That is correct. Karen Creek. And I always want to say Karen Creek. I have special guest, Jeremy Forkham with JSF Landscape Construction. Exciting to be here. We've been talking about, or I've been talking to Jeremy about doing one of these for a while. I think you texted me and said, uh, you need to do this and this. I said, no, you, you need to be the next guest. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. So I'm excited to uh, finally do a podcast again and then also be out at uh, my buddy's, what is this, 150 acre? Yeah, 140 acres, Andy. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. pretty sweet. Yeah. So tell me how you got into the excavation construction. Well, first of all, that's... Uh, Thanks for having me on the channel. I really enjoy listening to the podcast. Yeah, I believe I've listened to all of them. Uh, wow, you got a lot of you got a lot of uh, mower time and yeah, I have listened to some on the mowers. Uh, I think there's been a Saturday morning when I've texted you and said, "Hey, you know, I like this one. It's still early. It's uh, definitely something to break up the time." Um, and then driving, you know, yeah, I don't do a lot of driving, but it's always great you know the podcast thing is something i'm kind of new to uh it seems like it's working out well but thanks for having me on today it's uh really fantastic to to see you doing this and to definitely have you out here today um i think it's important we break the ice and this is kind of a surprise to andy i wanted to mention one funny story and i I won't tell the whole story (laughs) Andy. the whole details so one good story when andy and i were were fairly new friends we were going to NASCAR races. You know where this is going. <laughs> I won't tell the whole story. Yeah. So we're at my house. We've got the camper hooked up. We're getting ready to drive six hours to Charlotte Motor Speedway. A group of guys, my wife, some other folks. Andy comes out to get in the truck to roll to Charlotte. We have horses. So Andy's been our insurance agent forever. So Andy sees these horses. And he's like, what? You've got horses? <laughs> well, this is common. If, if, if you know Jeremy. <laughs> so... I guess we did not notify our dear insurance agent friend, Andy, about our horses. So Andy's freaking out. We're like, let's go. We're, we're late. We need to get rolling. It's a long drive. So we get in the truck. We roll out. And we say they're fine. So we no longer get down there. Dr. Tharp, Tom Tharp, is our neighbor. He calls and says, hey, your horses are out on the road. <laughs> you remember that? Oh, I do. Yeah, and I was uh, a little stressed. I, I thought you were going to tell another story, so I'm glad we I, told this one. Yes, that's what I'm, I <laughs> I introed that with, I won't tell the whole weekend of stories because there's tons more to tell, and those are for a later date. But that, I think, is a good icebreaker to to tell you how that weekend started. And uh, I always think of that when, when Andy was freaking out about the horses, I immediately say, it's fine, don't worry about it. Six hours later, the they're out on the road. <laughs> and those were good times going to Charlotte Motor Speedway. I, I was not, wasn't into NASCAR, but you told you said let's go. I'm like, oh, all right, let's go. Uh, <laughs> went to a couple. Uh, I still remember the story where we were in. Uh, gosh, it was it was a uh, outdoor store. What was it? Um, it was Bass Pro Shop. Bass Pro Shop. And one of our buddies said, "Man, you smell that in here? Do they pipe that that campfire smell?" <laughs> And we both looked at each other and looked at him and said, no, that's you, dummy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. that. Uh, so that was probably an October event. They used to have one in uh, October. And so, yeah, there's probably lots of campfires going on. And uh, oh yeah, we took the campers down and it's always a, a good time. We haven't been in a while, but uh, that was kind of back in NASCAR's heyday. Yeah, it was. was. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Uh, you got me into that and uh, then it, NASCAR went down and we... <laughs> But that, that's just, you know, one of the many stories we've had. Yes, it is. Uh, so Andy and I spent a lot of time together in the JCs. Probably actually how we started to meet was that's through right. the, the yeah. JCs. Uh, we were both instrumental for several years in JCs uh, through the clubhouse construction. And, and before that, too, uh, we really actually we built a lot of strong friendships. Yeah. Um, through the JCs, learned a lot uh, professionally. And then, like I said, the friendships we built were 
Yeah, they're still strong to yeah. this day. <laughs> they yeah, are. they really are. I mean, yeah. I mean, he, Some of my best friends were met through the uh, the JCs. Yeah. Uh, so, Andy, let's go back to your question before we got sidelined there. How did I get started in the excavation company? And this is going to sound so cliche, but I was a yard boy. I was a 14, 15-year-old boy mowing yards, trying to make five bucks here and there. Uh, so, I guess to get started, I got a, a push mower for Christmas when I was 16. Yeah. True story. So I had my license. I had a push mower. I went over to Story Place and started pounding on doors. Had little flyers made up. I don't. I, yeah, I, I believe it. Hundred percent. You know, as a, a sixteen-year-old kid, you're definitely. I was super scared and timid to to knock on these doors, but I, I amassed several yards. Uh, back then, believe it or not, there was McCray Feldus. So there was probably, honestly, only four people mowing lawns. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, today you see a bunch. Every truck and trailer on Bridge Street or, or in town. Uh, has a mowing business, which is okay. There's a need for it. But back, this this is going back to 94. Uh, a lot of people still mowed their own lawns. They felt like that was something they could do. And But anyway, so that's how I got started. I, I really believe that's how I got started. So I've been this this kid. I'm 43 now. I've never had a, a real job, so to speak. <laughs> you know? I'd say that's a real job, though. But what yeah, you're doing yeah. Is a real I mean, job. I've never worked for the man, I guess. Yeah. I've never. I see what you mean. So I had some summer jobs here and there, uh, like working at the golf course helping my grandpa on construction in Columbus. Uh, we actually worked on skyscrapers up in Columbus. Um, interesting times. I never really learned a lot because I wasn't there long enough uh, on those jobs. But the mower definitely just got me going. It taught me to, to talk to people and uh, quickly realized that, you know, this person needs their lawn mowed, but they also need this done and that done. And I think uh, within a couple of years, I had a little backhoe, and that's kind of where it compounded. And then before I knew it, I didn't do the mowing. I was subbing the mowing out. And to this day, I still sub the mowing out to other uh, local companies. And do hardscapes. and Yeah, do a lot of hardscapes, concrete, uh, excavation. We've got, you've seen some of the toys, Andy. We have the trackos, the skid loaders, uh, dump trucks. Um, you have a lot of toys. It's, yes. I've got a lot of equipment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I really enjoy the creativity nowadays. You know, starting out, it's everything we could do to get, to, to get, jobs we would uh, take what we could get nowadays we're fortunate to where i hate to say pick and choose but uh, there's enough work out there to do what we enjoy doing sure and i really like the creativity of certain projects like the we'd, we've done a lot of work for the city the park bridge you know we had to reconstruct oh, yeah. one whole side um it just wasn't something you had to take a bunch of skills learned over time and and mesh them together to do that project and that was enjoyable and and we do a lot of that type of stuff. You did uh, the Veterans Memorial. Yes, you did all that. Uh, the Veterans Memorial, the Majestic Courtyard, I believe. I uh, done the original Majestic yeah. Courtyard. We've done a, a lot of a bricks lot of work in the back. Majestic, uh, yeah. Blood Alley. We've actually had to dig that up and replace the brick. Wow. Another funny story on Blood Alley. We all know how Blood Alley's got its name and whatnot. So you know we're working. We had to pull all the bricks up and put pipe down through there. Well, the city was on me that all the bricks had to be put back the exact same, which we done. And it was very, very tedious, uh, time consuming. And it was just a kind of a nightmare of a job, so to speak. Two weeks later, the gas company. Oh, no. <laughs> they had to replace a gas line. They came in, dug pretty much everything up that I just replaced and poured concrete down through there. It's still there. Wow. And I just was like, oh, my goodness, which over time, I won't say that I'm a historian by no means but i really appreciate what goes into the the brick streets downtown and all but we do a lot of brick repairs on the streets for the the water company the sewer company um i've got bricks hidden all over town believe it or not so when we do these projects downtown whether it be on streetscape or on brick streets uh, not only in the sidewalk but in the streets there's always different types of bricks thicknesses widths whatnot you know where to go to find them I actually have three good hiding spots in town that we have them, have them hidden so that we can we can find our materials when we need them to fit the particular job. Wow. Um, a little local knowledge. little inside scoop, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of went on a little tangent there with that. But That's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, uh, the city park entrance, we've done that. Uh, there again, that was uh, – so the city park entrance, that was back in probably 2003 or four. Um, I actually, you know, we've done the bricks on both sides, 
we'd done the base for the statue. We actually had to go back in and redo some of the statue base. Because it just got hit. It got hit. Yeah. Um, That's been recent. Like, yeah. Last month or two. Yep. That is correct. But we put the time capsule in, in, in the rear of it. And I actually have a business card in that from, I, I'm thinking it was 2003 or four. Well, so that's, that's uh, you know, the, there's some uh, some press there for that. And I just, uh, that's something I'll probably always remember. Yeah. Uh, that particular job. And then, you know, we just do a lot of jobs for, for general folks here in, in Ross County. And a lot of those times it's it's getting from their idea in their brain to a finished concept. And a lot of times it is artistic. And that's what I was going back to is I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be able to extra exercise that part of my my brain right and execute the project and uh that's where you pick and choose you hey this one's yeah. going to be more uh, you can do that now more fun than the other one because um, you do all kinds what else do you do you do uh sewer lines no water lines yeah we do a lot of sewer lines and water lines um it, i think the point now is we got the equipment so i still get asked to do some some more construction type things but it's uh I just tell people I can't afford to swing a hammer when I've got, you know, several hundred thousand dollars of equipment yeah, sitting there. So we try to use them as much as possible. Yeah. That's just the only way it makes sense. And the older you get, you know, we've done acres and acres of bricks, like at the Chillicothe Country Club. Yeah. There's a lot of bricks. That's kind of a young man's game. And my my knees are starting to to tell me that's a young man's game. So anytime we can can make money and stay busy with the equipment, that's probably the, the best route. Sure. Makes sense. Uh-huh. Um and, and did you have a, a mentor growing up, or how did you learn the skill? There again, a good question. Uh, you know, my dad was, I, I don't think I really had one particular mentor. You know, my dad really taught me how to work hard. And uh, to this day, he regrets it because he just says I won't stop. But I, I blame it on him. I, I still do. <laughs> uh, but I've always been hungry for knowledge. Um, and And just, I think... I want to play with the best, and and it's just like the, uh, I guess when I turned twenty or twenty one, I built my first house, and you know, I didn't have the experience, I didn't have the knowledge. I knew I wanted to do it, and I kind of I tried to read some books about it, but that's one of those things where you just gotta you go do it. So yeah. I bought tobacco and I started laying blocks. At that point, I had uh, two grandpas at the time that helped me lay the blocks. They obviously knew way more than I did, um, but I was able to feed off that. So as a, as a mentor. I really can't pick uh, one one particular person. Like I said, I've always wanted to play with the best. So early on, I wanted to get into real estate. You know, I was like, "Well, I want to buy some real estate." So I reached up to Mr. Howbow. Yep. And Dan tried Howell. to yeah tried to feed off him. Even his dad before Dan. You know, I always uh, learned a lot from George, and I just always knew he knew what was going on, and uh, I wanted to be on his team. And that's kind of my motto through through life. You know. If, I want to hang out with the best in the crowd. Sure. I just, I feel like that's the best way to go. Uh, so closing that, that question uh, as a mentor, I, I've looked up to a ton of people and I've never, I've never got a big head. I just, uh, I share what I can to, to other folks, whether they be younger or older. And I still feed off knowledge from other people. I really do. I yeah. do every day. Well, yeah. And you've always, I mean, if anyone ever uses Jeremy, you know that he'll be there on time when he tells you he's going to be there and it'll be clean after he's done. Uh, and job's perfect. Yep. Um, so you've done a lot of projects, but one that uh, comes to mind is uh, the Chili Town MX. Uh, how did you? How did that idea come to fruition? Another long story, probably. But that's what we're here for, right? Right. That's <laughs> people want to hear. So let's talk about horses and how are we going to start this conversation with horses? So my wife had two horses. This is I'm, probably I'm, the same dag on horses. Oh yeah. She tells me that she'll get rid of the horses if I, if I get her a dirt bike. <laughs> so, like, heck, yeah. <laughs> Don't have to feed that dirt bike every day. So, we, I get her dirt bike. She phased out of horses temporarily. We'll touch back on that later. Yeah. Uh, then with the boys, we had the boys, and they were into dirt bikes. And I had a good friend, Scooter. Scott Chenault was a caretaker out at the fairgrounds. And he was fresh at that job. And we just, we knew that the facility was there to have motocross we just knew it was there so i approached the fair board uh so this is going back 12 years now and at that time the fair board is a for the most part a great group of people but it's a lot of people to come together on a consensus to make one decision sure what 15 people or 16 no, like 23 holy cow 23 23 yeah, it's a lot 
So I believe, what I think I believe is to have my ducks in a row. I do a PowerPoint presentation. I go out to a fair board meeting with all my homework. And it's a true story. At this time, the, the, the fair board was a little bit older in general. Most of the fair board members were more amazed of how I was projecting a picture, <laughs> a moving picture on the wall with the projector. Box. Right. And that, that was really how it started. But I learned with the fair board that once, once I got in, I'd done what I said to do. I kept things clean. And uh, w- within a year, it quickly turned that it was a very great relationship. And it, it actually still is to this day yeah. from that relationship that started several years ago. Once they gave me that opportunity to proceed, you know, that's when we went to work, uh, building the fence, getting the dirt. Um, it was a, a ton, a ton of work. Ton. Yes. How did you uh, get all those people to, to help you? I mean, it was... Beer? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so... And friends, I mean, yeah. your friends just came out in, in droves. Yeah. We used... Uh, the word spread fairly quickly in that community, particularly in the motocross community that something was shaken up at the fairgrounds. Me, I didn't have the experience. I had the gumption. Yeah. Um, I didn't have the experience, and I'll, I'll never say I did. But we went out. I had a meeting at the fairgrounds. Uh, who was interested in coming? A bunch of people came that first meeting. I catered it, uh, you know, bought plenty of drinks and whatnot. And I started gathering interest for people. And at that time, we probably had 20 to 25 uh, strong volunteers. The motocross started, and it was a struggle. It was a definite struggle the first Four years, probably. I mean, just people automatically assume you made a lot of money. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of one of the troubles I got into is I went to other races and I said, you know, I've done some math. You know, they had so many entries. It cost this much. They made this much money. It's easy to oversee things like that until you actually experience it. For sure, the first several years was a was a, a money uh, pit. I would come out of a weekend with several thousand dollars in cash from the event. But then once I pay the bills, I still had to pony up more money. Most of the time to, to cover the cost of the events. So you were in the hole. Yes. For at least the first uh, four or five years. Yeah. But like anything, we built a great foundation. Uh, the facility was top notch. Our, our, the folks that helped us got better. I got better. Our advertising got better. It just all got better. And then it, it started just taking off and we ended up, it was, uh, we were having the biggest races in the, the whole country. Wow. At, at Chillicott. Chillicott. Yeah. Wow. I mean, we were bringing in several hundred campers, uh, just really knocking it out of the park. But it was a lot. So I went, it was 10 years at that venture, and we got up to where we had 70, 80, 70 to 80 volunteers. Most of them towards the end were getting paid something. Yeah. Um, just because it, it consumed your, weekend. your whole weekend. Yeah. Now, I would go in several weeks ahead of time and spend tons of hours getting things ready and whatnot, but it really, uh, it really took its toll on me. And I'd always said, uh, like with any venture, once it's not fun, it's time to move on. And fortunately for me, I was able to, to kind of, uh, uh, facilitate a transfer of some sorts to a guy from Cincinnati, Scott Plessinger. Okay. So he came in here, what, a year and a half ago and has just completely taken it to a new level. And you said that you wanted someone to take it to a new level. Yeah, so when it was time for me to transition out, I wanted to take the burden off the fair board. So I'd, I'd done all the vetting, so to speak, of talking to people. And we had people from Kentucky, Pennsylvania. Tons of people were interested, but they didn't know. They had no clue. And they were sideline racers sitting on the fence. They were dads always just thinking that they, they knew it. how to yeah. do it. Yeah. And I, I could I could tell they didn't know what they were talking about. And and Scott from down around Cincinnati, he uh, he knew. I knew he knew. And he just, uh, he's knocked it out of the park. Yeah. He's actually got some huge events coming in next year. That's going to just, I mean, it, I know everybody says that, but they're really, really going to be out of this world. Well, he, he bought it and then is, did he buy it right? COVID happened right away. Yeah. He bought it. Uh, he got the, the reins in October of, I guess, 2019. Yeah. Uh, had one race in October. And then went through winter, and that's kind of when things went. And like, he somehow pulled off a race. He did in the middle of that. And nobody in the country were having races, and yeah. it was it was huge. <laughs> um, and then, like I said, he's just continued to grow it, done an excellent job. And I am so happy that the Fairboard's happy. He's happy, and that's well. You laid you laid the foundation, and uh, now he's growing it. And uh, you would attribute it to, to our community too, and and 
and probably our fair. I mean, our fairgrounds is great. The camping is amazing. Yeah, and that's – we never claimed – the, the track's flat. So a good motocross track, you want undulations, hills, and we never had that. It was all kind of self – or man-made obstacles and whatnot. But it, the facility, obviously, is top-notch, and that's mm-hmm. – and that's something we never hid from. We just always knew it was the facilities what brought people in. So we just piggybacked on that and that's what helped it grow. And that's what they're still working on. He's going to make some expansions. And, uh, and it wasn't just me, Andy, it was a team of, you know, I say there could have been up to 70, 80 volunteers, people helping. There was a core group of 10 to 15, 20 people that had the same passions that I did. They probably didn't all spend as much time on as I did, but they, they took ownership in it. And we always tried to uh, just work off that, that that self pride that everybody had. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. But uh, having said all that, to say this, it was a very long, bumpy ride. If I could go back, you know, when I'm 30 years old or whatever, it never was the right move. But I'm so glad that I done it. Yeah, I, I made so many good friendships. Huge experience. Oh my yeah. goodness, I learned how to deal with people on levels I didn't know how how to how to do. You yeah. know, out there you'd have people. Just cussing, spitting in your face, wanting to fight. And uh, several great lessons, several great friendships built. I'm glad we've done it. Yeah. Now. Yeah. <laughs> now, that, now that's sold. Now, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're here now at a, a, another project, uh, Cairn Creek. Can you tell me the history of how the heck you came up with Cairn Creek? And uh, for people that don't know what Cairn Creek is, he has a YouTube channel and uh, he's got me on camera and that's why i do a podcast i don't want to be on camera and here we are yeah i got the cameras wrong guys <laughs> who knows hopefully it'll just be a small edit uh but tell me the history of how this all came to be all right another uh exciting but long story but that's what we're here for i know i know it's always been my, my dreams to have land it's it's it has hasn't it i mean yeah, i always yeah, remember forever. um i grew up on my for many years at my grandpa's place and we had like 30 acres but as a kid you know that's where i want to be in the woods and just always wanted my own piece of land and fortunately through business and some other successes i was able to have some different houses throughout town but i never had the perfect piece of property and i was very particular about the piece of property i had i had it typed up of it had to have this that and whatnot the the creek and all that different things yeah and I've tried several different things because there comes a point in one's life when you don't have everything you need to, I feel, to properly manage and own a piece of property. And, and that's your your age and health, yeah. your money and, and the time. Right. So I was just at a point where I had the knowledge to improve a piece of property. I had a little bit of money to help. And then uh, and the equipment, too, was huge. Just some of the things we've been able to do. So then moving back on what I started with there, I'd put letters in the paper, you know, trying to state my case with, hi, my name's Jeremy, blah, blah, blah. I got a family and looking to buy land. I actually had certain areas of the county that I would target on the auditor site. And I had a pre-built letter that I would send out if there was a piece of property that fit my criteria. Yeah. I would send them a letter with my number and contact. I actually put out yard signs. I have one hanging over here above the door. I had a yard sign that simply said local family looking to buy land with my telephone number and actually those my friends would just go ride on them and steal them and put them at the gas stations <laughs> so i tried uh very hard probably by the time i was in my mid-30s and this particular piece of property came up um and it's only a handful of minutes from our our house when i was 40 and i seen it i was at the point where realtor.com every morning sure i okay. would check and this place came up on a Sunday morning. Um, by noon, I'd met with the owner, uh, walked it, drove it, and by Wednesday, had it under contract. That's great. That is, it was, uh, and I wasn't, you know, it was a big purchase, you know, oh, to buy as much purchase. land. And uh, I think I remember you were on the golf course. It was uh, right before a, a golf tournament, or right after. Yes, it yeah. was, uh, well, it was uh, Father's Day weekend. Yeah. It was at, uh, Member guest. Member guest, yeah. Because we actually closed. So at the member guest, we always hang out after we golf. And yeah, just, but there was no Jeremy no, hanging out. I'm like, what? I, I had the skid loader load up because we went to closing. It was go time. <laughs> you know, I'd waited my whole life for this piece of property, and I finally had the time to play on it or work on it. Um, 
I don't know where I was going with that. You kind of got me off track here. <laughs> but I mean, you, you closed on it quickly. Uh, and then did you have a plan when you closed on it? I did. I actually, the the week or so, or I guess a couple of weeks we had between them accepting the offer and then closing on it, I actually went to the map room in the courthouse and, and blew up a map. And I had a I think mark. you still it. Yeah, I had where the driveways would go, where the water and electric lines go. Um, so I was definitely, I had my backpack loaded. I was ready to rock and roll. And that's what we did. I yeah. mean, we took a vacant property and had the roads, the infrastructure, water, power, so we could bring a camper out pretty much in no time. Um, why is it called Cairn Creek? We yeah. always feel like for some reason we name weird, like we name our dump trucks. We just name stuff. I like it. Um, when I first walked on this property on that Sunday afternoon with the owner, old Danny Seymour, he says up in this area, because it was it was really thick, brushes and stuff like that. It was really thick. And he said, no, up that way, there's some Indian things. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. So I managed to find them. And we didn't know what they were. We just, were a bunch of rock piles. And after some investigation, we found out they are called cairns. Yeah. Um, I guess more uh, in these days, most people think of cairns as if you ever climb mountains, they use them as once you get to the summit or something, you stack a rock. Uh, so like you. we've climbed yeah. Mount Monadnock and some other places, there's cairns along the way, whether they're directional markers or you're just supposed to stack a rock. And these rock piles are, they call them cairns. But the Indians actually, the Native Americans, excuse me, actually used them for either ceremonial purposes or for burial grounds. And the location of this property with Rocky Knob and obviously this whole area is, is rich in Native American history. Right. Um, the best study I can do, and I won't say 100% they're, they're actual cairns, but where they're located in proximity to Rocky Knob with the elevation, the steepness of the hill, um, because there's only probably two archaeologists in the whole country, that, and I've been able to talk to both of them. I emailed, I texted you to one guy. Did you talk to him? Yeah. Yeah. So they, with pictures, they've not been on site, but with the pictures and videos I've sent them, they, they're congruent with what they've seen in their studies. Uh, most people are quick to say, you know, the farmer just stacked them, but there's several piles of these rocks. Yeah. And they're on a hillside. It just would be. Do you think it's ceremonial or do you think it's burial? I think I'll never know. Yeah. Um, but that's, I mean, that, yeah, and, and I said proximity to Rocky Knob, which that's a very tall peak, a prominent peak. That's probably the tallest peak. It actually is the tallest peak east of the side yeah. in Ross County. I can pick that out from all around. It's got a distinct peak. And so if I'm down by Richmondale or uh, south on 23, even north, Pickwick County, Kingston, I can pick that knob out. So you can imagine as a, as a Native American, they use landmarks. So it was something easy to find. And am I nervous about the state doing more with it? No, I'm not. I've, I've talked with some people and I actually, uh, in pure JSF fashion, I actually went undercover. I went to Mound City. <laughs> I did. You probably had your like notebook. A, and I, I acted like a tourist. Yeah. And I said, well, I heard there's some rock cairns here in Ross County. I'd like to go see them. And they said, we don't have none on public property in Ross County. And, and they blah, blah, blah. They went on. And uh, I've got some old Indian maps from... Uh, from 1912, maybe was yeah. it Squire, Squire, Squire Davis, yeah, yeah, and they don't show them on that, but I'm I'm quite certain that they are actual made from Native Americans. Whether they are or not, that's why we named it Cairn Creek. There's a yeah. creek running right down the center, and it. we uh, 100% fell in love with the name. We've got a logo for you know, the place that, <laughs> well, on YouTube, and yep. Uh, yeah. Now, at one time, you were going to put a big lake. Yeah. That was one of my criteria on a piece of property. If you buy a big piece of property, I mean, that's, I think, an ideal is to have a, a pond or a lake feature on it. And that's that was one of my criteria. And within a week of purchasing this property, I had the local soil and water come out. And they'd done some watershed reports. And it was determined that it would work perfect. It would stay full with the amount of feed that's coming into the, the area we wanted to put the lake. So I moved forward with getting an engineer to do us a drawing. And then I quickly submitted plans to ODNR. There's a, a whole division of dam safety in Ohio through ODNR. Well, then I quickly realized that that's not as easy as what I thought it's it would be. It's kind of a big dam. 
No yeah. pun intended. Yeah. Big stop. Damned if it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. Uh, and this was right at the time when Lake White had oh, some problems with yeah. Buckeye Lake. And through some, some sideline investigations, I found out that they just pretty much discourage anyone anyone from building uh, man-made levees, dams, whatnot, just because it's... They got nervous. Yeah. And it, it's a liability. Yeah. Uh, it really is. And there's just way more to it than what I thought there'd be to it. An actual engineer friend of mine told me to just go ahead and build it. Yeah. And I thought about it. I really did. I thought about just going ahead and building it. And basically, they would come in later and they would start assessing fines to your taxes or whatever. And you'd have to yeah. have to pay for it. Or well, Basically, Andy, it started out to be, I thought I could probably build a thing for forty dollars to $50,000 doing it myself. Right. I was going to have $100,000 in design fees by doing it their way. And, and there's... There's still people building them. I know probably three that got built last year in Ross County that didn't get no permits. I'm not. I'm not right. They're not going to tell anybody. Right. But um, there's still people building them. And what maybe saved me was I've got a passion for golf, so I put in a golf hole, and <laughs> I'm happy with that. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking right here, and we got a couple uh, golf holes here. Now you have one green, and how many approaches now? I got seven, which I'd like to circle back to that later. Yeah. Um, but back to the, the, I call it a lake idea. Cause it was going to be almost five acres of surface water, but the property does have two ponds on it, totaling probably an acre and a half. So as far as getting our, our fish on and the kids swim, that satisfies that need. And, and, yeah. uh, and you still, and you do have a Creek too. Yep. And they, the kids play in the Creek at the Karen Creek. Yeah. But it's there again, kind of back to the motocross thing. It was a lesson. It was a, it was, this is spread over 12 months. I was dealing with ODNR. There again, a great learning lesson that, man, you just can't learn until you go through something like that. And it, and you learn and you, I, I guess that's called learning the hard way, but those are lessons you don't forget. And, sure. Uh, well, you had the gumption to do it. Most yeah. people just, eh, <laughs> it's a good idea, but never do it. And I'm fortunate by some of my failures, so to speak, I can help others. Uh, some of our mutual friends have thought about doing some the uh, lake idea, and he called me, and I was able to tell him everything I learned to maybe save him some hassles. And uh, right, so I guess that's a, a good news of you got the experience to, <laughs> yeah. to share. Just build it. <laughs> um, so that brings me to uh, this Woodmiser sawmill. Uh, so how did you get in the sawmill? That's going to probably lead into our next two big conversations. After we bought this place, obviously, we have all this. This is about 20 acres pastured, and the rest is woods. And I've always been a person in the woods. Um, I've, I've been a tree guy. Um, the, the Actually, cutting with my own sawmill was never something I thought of. But once we, we got this property, and I quickly realized that a sawmill would probably be pretty handy. So I got to watching YouTubes on sawmills. I didn't know wood miser, what a wood miser was, but I quickly realized that was kind of the cat's meow was wood miser. And then I watched some YouTubes. And I was like, that, that'd probably be pretty handy. Do they, call, do they call this a mobile sawmill? Is that what that is? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Portable sawmill. Portable sawmill. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Well, there's a guy in Chilcothy. Actually, he's up around Kingston. He's got a wood miser just like that one that he goes, he'll come to your place and he charges 50 or $75 an hour. You have the logs. He cuts them whatever you want. If you want two by fours or he'll cut whatever you want, you just pay him by the hour. This was going into December. I had a bunch of logs ready because I wanted to build this building we're in. Yeah. And I had a bunch of logs ready. I had my cut list ready. And he kept, uh, it was cold. He just didn't want to fool with it. It was too cold. And uh, in the he meantime, I'm checking out Facebook Marketplace. And over by Cincinnati, the sawmill popped up. And I think I'm going to go and talk money. I think the guy wanted like 20000 for it. Oh, so I, I, I tried to negotiate with him, and he wouldn't bite on it. My birthday is January 23rd. On January, I think it's 22nd evening, he got back a hold of me and said like 18. I think I told him 16.5. He messaged back and says, sure. So I actually kept one of the boys out of school on my birthday, January 23rd. Was this your 40th? Yes. 
Yeah, forty first. Okay. Yeah, because we'd had I bought this place when I was forty. 40 okay, as forty first, and then uh, we went over and picked it up and haven't looked back since. My biggest regret is not getting one of these things fifteen years ago. Yeah. Now it's not for everybody. The Woodmiser portable salt mill. I can make it look easy on videos and stuff, but it's a ton of work. Uh, when people come to me and ask me about the sawmill, you got to almost have a tractor or something to bring the logs in. Then you cut them, you got to take them out. But this sawmill has built this, Everything this around beautiful us. building that we're in. The, the exterior, the post, uh, it's just, it's been so handy to have that. And it's uh, it's led me into more of a passion for trees that I really didn't know I had. But And woodworking, maybe. And and woodworking. Uh, you did the cabinets, cabinets here. Cabinets, yeah. Yep. My becks. Well, I'd like for my next big step to be a dry kiln. Um, when we cut wood on this wood miser, you can definitely build with it right away, but you always got to allow for shrinking. So any type of interior cabinetry or stuff like that, you got to dry it first. Yeah. Now, if we're just doing some stick framing outside, you can still use the, we call it green lumber. It just means it's not properly dried out. Unlike the exterior of this building, we used a board and batten type siding to where that's how they done it back in the day. You know, they didn't have dry kilns. They would cut trees and build, and that's they'd put the boards together and they'd to cover that shrinkage. They'd got the little strip, board and batten. You know, board and batten's becoming more popular now. They're using modern day materials, but that look is really coming back. It is. It's popular. Yeah, it's very popular. And, and uh, Woodmiser sawmill has been really popular because uh, <laughs> lumber prices. Yeah, the pandemic, which I didn't see this coming increase the sales so right now if you would buy a brand new woodmiser sawmill i think you're looking at 16 months wow. before you take delivery and probably uh a higher high premium too you know what is that same machine Forty thousand instead of 20. well yeah right now i could sell that machine for more than what i paid for it yeah the resale is just it's just crazy and i actually thought it would change by now but it's still holding strong yeah it really is that's great mm -hmm. well i mean someone that has how many acres of woodlands a uh, hundred 120 here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you got enough to work on. So you mentioned another project uh, on your YouTubers um, and we, we don't have a real name yet because I just saw Kim and she's like, what's, what's, where are we going to name that? But we're calling it Karen Creek 2.0. Karen uh, Creek 2.0. Come on. <laughs> tell me about it. There was an opportunity to buy a neighboring property and I jumped on it and it was, uh, it's complete needs complete repair it is just a mess i mean it, if you look at the pictures it i, I, I would have <laughs> torn it down but that's just me some probably would have torn <laughs> it down but i took uh we was able to get the property and we're going to turn it into an airbnb so a few things we haven't mentioned yet but i've always tried to make money any way i can sure um you're an entrepreneur and you started when you were 16 like and you haven't hustler. stopped <laughs> yeah hustler. we got you've been uh, a hustler since 16. <laughs> So we got storage units, we got billboards, uh, some rental houses, whatnot. So I'm, I think we're going to jump into the Airbnb to see how that goes. Now I'm not saying I'm going to like it, but the opportunity is there uh, to at least start it. Yeah, I actually have a handful of other properties, vacant properties through Ross County. That who knows? I mean, I could put them on several of those properties. I know Airbnbs are hot right now. Maybe they won't be, but. Uh, it's just the, the opportunity to get that property in proximity to the big property, the big Cairn Creek, and that's why it's Cairn Creek 2.0. It's, it's, I don't even know where it is. It's close to here? Like yeah, right it's down right the across the road. Yeah. Okay, right, right across. So it's, it, it was an easy. Yeah, it's handy. Yeah. yeah. And, and the story on that one, uh, you were looking uh, for this, or no, a cousin called you or something about it and said, hey, look at this property. Yeah. In my travels, in my days, I've approached people about buying stuff. I've taken apple, cherry pies to people. None of my tactics have ever worked. <laughs> and this particular fellow lived out in Pleasant Valley, and I went to his house. I've tried the pie method, and uh, I always told him I had an interest in buying it. Well, he never never responded, never told me anything, actually. And then I had a, a brother-in-law reach out to me. I think that was during member guests there again. Yeah. And he said, what's the deal with this property? I said, well, it's not for sale. He said, well, I just saw it. So I called that night, and it turns out it was already in contract. Somebody had already bought it. Yeah. I guess the realtor was too scared to come out this way, and she just Sold she it. didn't put a sign up. She yeah. just listed it. I'm not looking online. And there was no sign to be seen. And uh, 
I ended up paying way more than what he paid for it, but hey, you still got it. it. That's the way real estate goes. Um, So we kind of mentioned YouTube. You are now a YouTuber. did you ever think you were going to do this sort of media? And we're, I mean, we're on camera now. I, Jeremy, I don't like to be on camera. That's why I did a podcast. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, we are on camera. Yeah. But no, no, I had no intentions of ever being on YouTube. And earlier I said we'd circle back to this. When I was looking at Woodmiser Sawmills, I'm watching the YouTube. I'm thinking, man, these guys get this many views. I mean, so, I'm, you know, the boys, my teenage sons, they're all into it. I thought this would be a good way for us to all kind of bond to bond and work together. So I got one of the boys to kind of record and edit the videos because I had no clue how to do that. But there again, that was my uh, attempt to thinking something as easy and then, and then jumping into it. So the YouTube thing, it's been very interesting. It's expensive creativity, expensive creativity sometimes, but it's been fun. Yeah. Now, since... Uh, we started, I guess it's been going on almost a year and a half now with, with the YouTube, but it, it's really interesting. I think, which I hope YouTube will be around forever, but I think it's the way we're kind of documenting the processes. I wish we would have got started before we started on this, this mill shop, Yeah, but we was able to get the horse barn built and caption all that. I think it's, uh, it's almost like writing a journal, you know, family history. It, yeah. Yeah. Who knows if that'll be around forever, but it's there again, it's taught me a lot. It's taught me how to speak in this microphone a little bit better today than I could have a couple of years ago. But right. it honestly has. Yeah. And and YouTube, I've met people from all over the world. Some face to face and then some through emails and, and other means of communication. But it's it's been real fun. It's I really it my now my one of my sons that started helping me with editing, uh He's not doing the editing anymore. I actually, we was on a trip to New Hampshire and I was like, well, you show me how to do it. So I started, old dad was, that's you, you learn. I learned like <laughs> something I never dreamed because I'm definitely not good on computers. <laughs> so somehow I've, I've been able to at least spit out the videos, how they are nowadays. Um, but like I said, I, I enjoy taking that raw footage and it's, it's really an artsy creative type of my brain that I found and it's been it's been kind of fun. I'm definitely not in it to to get famous no. or nothing like that. But uh, it's fun to watch. I mean, as you know, my son's a, a fan of biggest uh, fan. He's one of the biggest fans. I told him I was doing a uh, podcast with you, and I came home to get changed. And he said, "Where are you going?" And I said, "Karen Creek." He said, "You going to see Germ?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he's a fan, and uh, actually, we had his birthday out here last year. So, yep, yeah, yeah. The and I'm starting to see a different uh, avenue for, for YouTube. And it's definitely not I'm doing it. But there's a way. Actually, there's not a way. There's a definite possibility of making money Yeah. Uh, on YouTube. Have you started to yeah. dabble in that? And I'll touch on that here in just a second. But here in Ross County alone, I think it's something that people don't realize. One, th- there's several decent-sized People doing YouTube, and I, I keep saying YouTubers. I think you got me on that. It's yeah. content creators. YouTubers. Creators. <laughs> YouTubers, that sounds like a kid. <laughs> but anyways, uh, you got Brian's Farming Videos, AJ Good. Yeah, AJ. Uh, yeah, I mean, Johnny Johnson. There's, oh, I forgot. I didn't know Johnny has one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this is where I'm going to drop a bomb on you, Andy. And I don't know if any of my friends are listening, but I've had a secret. I started a second YouTube channel. Oh, wow. That nobody's known about. Holy cow. And it's documenting our backyard golf hole, which we have this backyard golf hole. Andy brought it up earlier. We have seven tee boxes. I'd like to get nine. But we've got a real golf green. You know, it's constructed just like the best golf greens in the world. So I started a second channel just showcasing that. Well, in the last month, something has happened on the YouTube algorithm that's made it explode. So, it, you know, Karen Creek's been out for a year and a half yeah. on YouTube. This new one just came out, and it's already surpassed the Holy Cairn cow. Creek. But it's really niched down to just golf. Yeah, so Cairn Creek, we're doing sawmill. Then we might be wrecking cars, sure. doing the fair stuff. So it's really niched down. But I've, it's it's been a, an interesting month just with the explosive growth. I've What's had the name of it? It's called Spud Run Golf. Spud Run Golf. Here it here, here first. Yep. 
Uh, and that's called Spud Run Golf because my good buddy and pilot friend, Rod Jones, yeah, Lieutenant Colonel, we always wanted to build a golf course on his farm. And they had a potato farm. And we was always like, we're going to call Spud Run Golf. And I always said, one of these days I'm going to make money off golf. <laughs> well, this might be our ticket. It's <laughs> a different way than you thought. Yeah. So, and I won't go into a whole lot, but with the explosion just in this month, I think it's made over 800 bucks. Just wow. With, within the month. Um, now it has received almost 145,000 views in the last month. Wow. And this is a small what? channel, but that kind of goes back to what I was talking about Brian's farming videos and some of the other guys. We talk about the good stuff, and I think it's great because just my little small channel, if it's getting 145,000 views. What is this thing? What does Karen Creek get? It gets like 7,000 views a month. This is 145,000 oh. as of this morning. That's unbelievable. But like Brian Brown's probably getting that. He's probably getting more than that every day. AJ Good's probably getting more than that every day. So you start adding some numbers. You're talking about millions of views, which they're not all focused on Chilcothy. Yeah. Um, but that's just maybe like a little hidden, I said niche earlier, but yeah, a lot of people don't see that coming from this. They probably don't really see it out of Ross County. Like I just maybe made it sound like, cause it's, you know, there's millions of people watching some little, but not little, but some channels here in Ross County. Yeah. Well, I mean, people aren't really watching TV like they used to. They're watching this. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we're all waiting for the next ep episode of yours. And then now I'm going to watch uh, Spud Run. <laughs> Spud Run Golf. That's great. Yeah, it's just uh, where it's niched down. It, it took off and it's been, it's just been really cool. It, like I said, emails from South Africa. I've been invited to a podcast in Philadelphia. Wow. I've been invited to go to Atlanta uh, to play on course. You're, hey, you're starting the pod. I'm, I'm the first one for the podcast tour. <laughs> I just don't think I could do the podcast. All. Right, we'd have to do the video and podcast. Well, sure. But. Yeah, I've been invited to go to several places. There's a guy from Australia that wants to know if he can come here this summer. He says he's going to be in the United States and he wants to come here. Just to check it. And it's only been out for a month? Yeah. Well, it's exploded in the last month. The okay. channel has. So how long has it been out? I think I let the first video out in June, maybe, or July. Wow. Yeah. Well, you kept this quiet. I didn't hear about this. Yeah. So when I was getting footage from for the, the new channel, everybody just thought I was getting footage for Karen Creek. So I was, yeah. I was pretty sly. Yeah, <laughs> I'd say. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm not going about that anymore. Check it out. Spud That's awesome. Golf. If you really, uh, you know Dick Gall and Chilcothy. Yeah. So he's got a son, Eric Gall. Okay. He lives California somewhere. He actually watched one of our Spud Run Golf videos and noticed that uh, we was driving a tractor through town. He's seen Globe Furniture. So then he, he reaches out to me about a separate email and he just was all about it. And I was like, that's cool that he's in California. Yeah. And he can, yeah. They found us here and back yeah. in his hometown. We've played golf with Dick. Well, he was in the lower flight. You probably never played with <laughs> <Okay>. him. <laughs> so that's it on, uh, well, the YouTube, but it's exciting. That's pretty awesome. Um, would you like to mention anything that we had not already, uh, mentioned? No, I should probably say uh, hello to my wife and boys. Yeah. They wanted to sit in here while me and Andy were talking, but it would have been a hot mess. Yeah, they were on boxes and <laughs> cutting them up, and we thought, eh. Andy probably usually does. He's in a nice, controlled environment. We're sitting in a freaking garage. Well, usually it's in my office with the <laughs> door shut, and sometimes you hear some crazy stuff outside the door. But, yeah, this is – but this is Karen Creek. I mean, yeah. This is it's the way it is. We actually put a sign out front. YouTube and – no, <laughs> podcast. podcast in progress. Yep. Um, well, we'll end on, uh, our, uh, my, my three questions I always ask, uh, what's your favorite breakfast, lunch, and dinner spot? I don't hardly ever eat breakfast. It's a common theme. Yep. Now I like to eat cereal in the evening sometimes, but yeah, <laughs> I guess if I had to choose breakfast and I didn't actually, I didn't prepare for this, but I like to go to Bob Evans Yep. for breakfast, lunch. Man, I, wherever you I'd can. I'd say Golden Crowd wins the rest. Yeah. <laughs> Golden Crowd wins lunch, dinner. Man, it's like family reunion food that you can't get enough of. Well, good thing it, it opened back up for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we were just having meltdowns. I mean, there's a group of us. I'm going to name drop here. Uh, my friend Rod, Doug Corcoran, yeah. Billy. Like, we'll meet in there any rainy day, any chance we get. We automatically are going to Golden Crowd. And just eat like kings. Kings. <laughs> That's great. I had no idea. <laughs> Um, so, uh, what, what book are you currently reading or would you like to share? That goes back to me being a tree nerd. Uh, Kim was recently, my wife, Kim was recently in Florida and she brought back a book. It's called around the world in 80 trees. 
it's just about a handful of trees from different countries and i'm really a tree nerd if it's not if it's got anything to do with golf or trees i like to read about it yeah and i'm like anybody else probably i don't read a lot uh, like we all probably should but you know like technically today we was waiting on concrete on job and through facebook i ran across an article on the scarlet gray golf course in columbus Ohio yeah. state and it took forever to read this article but it was just packed full of history on the Scarlet and Gray, which it was on a link from Facebook. So is that technically, I mean, it's not it's a reading, book, but it's yeah. uh, just, I love getting into stuff like that. And it was, it was super long, but I couldn't stop reading it. But this new book that I just started on is Around the World in 80 Trees. And it talks about trees. <laughs> so hopefully the guy from Australia can bring over a, a tree that you find in this book. That's funny. I tried to ship some golf balls to Australia and Australia would not receive them. Oh, yeah, because they're really... Yeah, they're super... They're really scared. Uh, yeah. I have a, a friend that lives there, yeah. and they were on lockdown for six months, and uh, they could only leave for an hour of the day and could only go three miles outside of his house. Wow. It, yeah. You think we have... Well, we don't have anything bad. <laughs> <laughs> they, We would have gone crazy. <laughs> and I think they starting, they're starting to. Yeah. Uh, so I, I've talked to him a lot during the pandemic, and... Uh, and his business has uh, flourished. He's he uh, interesting business. He puts um, basketball courts in all over Australia. So really? private basketball courts. What How do you get to beat this guy? We we were college. Actually, we wow. lived together in Colorado. And funny story on that too. He, <laughs> uh, I got, I came back from uh, John Bitterview. It was called Trek Trek USA, and uh, it was. Um, you you took people uh, from different countries in a van through the like Yellowstone and Yosemite and wow. uh, you know cool thing. He, he said, "Oh, that sounds awful." Guess what? Next day he applied for the same job. <laughs> he took it and he he found his wife and then he moved to uh, Australia. That's a great story. Yeah, that's <laughs> cool. You guys are still in contact. Oh yeah, we 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 talk all the time. But yeah, Austin, so if, if maybe you that's want, him that's coming. Home. Maybe <laughs> it really might be. <laughs> But uh, night owl or early riser? Early riser. Uh, I put this one in uh, PBR or Natty Light. Oh, PBR make you shit through a screen door. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> he said I could cuss before we started, yes, guys. Absolutely. That's a good end note. It is. Hey, Jeremy, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, it it's been fun to, to get to know, and hopefully everyone gets to know a little bit more about Jeremy and JSF Construction and uh, his, his new channels and his current channels. So, yeah, thanks for uh, coming out, Andy. I, I definitely didn't feel like I was qualified for the podcast oh today, but I'm glad we got together. I really hope that everybody listens to the end here. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm not a, I mean, most, not most, but some of your, your guests are, are older and just very, very fascinating. I just feel like I mean, we're younger. We're both yeah. the same age. We've got some stories to tell, but hopefully... In 20 years, we can tell some really good stories. Oh, yeah. We'll be doing this again. <laughs> Thank you. Take it.